Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scors, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great. Uh, today I'm going to kind of return to some larger themes, not just kind of following the news cycle. And uh, this one is about ethics. It's something I think about quite a lot as I try to live an ethical life and try to promote ethical living. Uh, and the title is What Happens When People Don't Have Strong Ethical Cores. So this is going to be more on the kind of lack of ethics analysis. And then in future episodes, I will kind of go on the like, what do we do to actually promote ethics and promote ethical living? But I think it's important to kind of start with the lack of, which we have quite a lot of material to work with in this uh, current moment. And I want to start by saying, you know, ethics is probably the most important thing about being human. I mean, obviously, art and culture and language and imagination and building and technology and all those things are cool and great, and I love them. But, you know, ethics is really the key that somewhat differentiates us. Now, I want to be clear. I do think non-humans have ethical codes, whether they're whales, apes, primates, dogs. It seems clear that they have some ethics going on in their mind, you know, but also, it seems clear from what we can see that it's not nearly as kind of sophisticated as what we are capable of. Not necessarily what we practice, but what we are capable of in the sense that a human can really think about the ethics of, you know, everything from an ant to a whale to other humans to future generations. And I don't think other animals are doing quite have that scope of ethical you know, possibility. And so I think in some ways, ethics is a thing that can put us, you know, apart, not in a superior way, but just in a, in a differentiating way. And I think standing out ethically is where we can really shine, right? Now, most of us don't live ethical lives, but the point is that we could, okay? And I think you know, when I envision a future in which humans and non-humans are flourishing, it really comes about mostly from kind of ethical evolution in our species. I think technology will play a big role in that, and I'll talk about that later, and systems and structures and incentives play a big role. But I think at its core, if we evolve ethically, we could really have an amazing planet here for all living beings and it be something to really be proud of. Now, we don't have that now. <laughs> we have the opposite. In fact, we have people, most people are incredibly confused about ethics to the extent that they even think about it at all. And so I want to start with some kind of general concepts and then I'm going to talk about how the lack of ethics leads to some pretty bad things and then, you know, where, where we go from here. So the first thing is that ethics is not a popularity context, right? It's not like if most people get together and say that's ethical, that it's ethical. There are some core principles that 
defy, again, majority opinion, right? Because, for example, there are times in our history, you know, where the majority of people said white people are superior to black people and therefore we can enslave black people, right? That wasn't ethics because most people in America believed it. It was still unethical behavior, right? You could have 100% of humans believing something and it still be unethical. And what I'm arguing here is that there are just ethical principles underlying behavior that can be revealed and that, again, defy popularity contests. Uh, You know, I've said this already in the context of, you know, non-human animal rights, which is, you know, if most people say it's okay to torture and kill animals for food or clothing or whatever, that doesn't make it ethical either, right? Like, again, it's just, it's not that the majority says it's okay and therefore that's ethical, right? And in fact, 90 to 95% of humans who are on the planet today do not behave ethically with respect to non-humans. Many of those don't behave ethically to humans either. But the point is, if I was to do a, a general characterization, the overwhelming majority of humans right now are not acting ethically. And the the key point here is acting ethically. I think most of those 90 or 95% have ethical thoughts, have ethical beliefs, but that doesn't mean anything because it's not what's in your mind, it's how you act. And I'll come back to this here. If you want to, you know, get my full view on kind of our responsibility to non-human animals, I did a whole podcast this on this. With really with respect to the food system, but you could extend it to, you know, to to clothing and leather and fur and all that kind of stuff as well. If you're interested in that, check it out. I'm pretty proud of that. I thought I touched on a lot of good things, and even though it was a synthesis of a lot of other people's beliefs, I think I added enough value to it that it's it stands alone. And you know, again, so where I'm going with this here is that very few people have strong ethical cores at all, even intellectually. Their ethics are kind of this hodgepodge of religious things or things they've been taught or general principles. So the strong ethical cores, like clear red lines, like I will not do X, Y, and Z. In most people, it's not that clear. And then again, even then, it's mostly theoretical. It's a story they tell themselves, but they don't necessarily carry that out in their real lives. So most people's ethics are pretty weak and pretty situational, right? They can bend and twist depending on the, the, the moment. That means they're not core principles because if something's core, a core principle, it doesn't bend and twist depending on the situation unless, of course, there's some extreme things just to get out of the way, right? You could say lying is bad, but if you're lying to a Nazi who's asking you if there's Jews hiding in your house, you want to lie to the Nazi, right? So there's always edge cases here. And that's not what I'm talking about, right? We can get into that another time, but that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I also want to go a step further and say the lack of core, strong ethical principles in human beings is the root of most evil. For the simple fact, if you have a strong ethical core, you will say no. You will say no to evil behavior. When someone asks you to go round those people up, Right. Or asks you to, you know, um, you know, sign a petition to block a housing development for low income people in your neighborhood. You say no. 
right? But if you don't have a strong ethical principle, you can always kind of, well, you know, maybe it's okay, or I'm, I'm following orders, or everyone else is doing it, right? Again, once you realize it's not a popularity contest, it doesn't fucking matter what other people are doing. It's your ethical core. That's what matters, right? I've also said this many times on the podcast, but it's worth repeating that in many ways, Hollywood is kind of responsible for this. And it's not just Hollywood, but it's just like the entertainment complex around the world that has just tricked people into thinking that evil is monstrous and demonic and cartoonish. It's fangs and roar and claws and, you know, red eyes, you know, with this evil malintent. It's not. It's just not. Most evil in the world is done by men in suits who look like doughboys and average Joes. People are completely, completely, you know, boring and unrecognizable. Of course, women too, right? The banality of evil is just categorically true. Most evil, 99% of the evil done in the world is by people you would pass by in the street and not take note of at all. You wouldn't even bat an eye, right? But... Even though most people lack this ethical core, there are small numbers of people with strong ethics and they defy evil systems and they will sacrifice and, and, and not go along with the masses when evil is being done and they will stand up for what is right. And I think how to increase those numbers is probably the most important element of the human project, right? To increase the ranks of strong ethical people on planet Earth right now is like the key thing for the human project because humanity that is driven and led by largely unethical people isn't worth worth preserving it's a fucking horror show you know you look at animal you know industrial animal agriculture to the war in ukraine to the pollution and the fossil fuel companies and the weapons manufacturers and the fucking you know you know from down the list it's just not worth preserving. If, if this status quo is how humans are going to live out the next few centuries or millennia, fuck it. It's not worth it. It's only worth it if we can increase the ranks of the ethical people and build a more ethical world. Right. So again, like I said, in a later episode, I'm going to return to some thoughts on how to increase the number of ethical people. But it's really difficult, obviously, or others would have done it already. Right? It's an age-old problem. It's millennia. I am not the first person to bemoan the lack of ethics. Right, So it has been around for millennia, and I will, I will not live to see the ethical world that I envision. But I can help move the ball down the field. Right, I can help turn the knob, whatever metaphor you want to use. Right, But it's an age-old problem with no easy solutions. There's no easy ride here. Right, This is a tough project. Now, the funny thing is the principles in some ways are easy to understand, but they're difficult to put in practice. And like I said, it's the putting in practice that matter. Having a story in your mind of your ethical system doesn't really mean shit unless you actually live it, right? It only matters. Applied ethics are the only real ethics. You know, ethics in your mind is just a story. It's just an imaginary fable in your mind. It's right. And maybe it creates the framework but unless you then carry that out into the world, go, I believe X, how do I manifest that in the real world, right? And sadly, our evolutionary biases don't make it easy to live ethically, right? We, we care a lot much. We're much more innately self-interested. The pain that we suffer on a daily basis is way more we care about that than, you know, millions of people being killed in a genocide, right? We don't have long-term thinking, 
We're very tribal and it's very easy for us to hate everybody outside our tribe or at least distrust them and not want to cooperate with them, right? So I, again, I will return to kind of some ideas on solutions and, and they will be littered, you know, or sprinkled, sprinkled through this episode a little. But this episode is mostly focused on examples of what happens when people lack strong ethical cores and how this leads to the quick degradation of society as we're experiencing in the U.S. right now, right? This is clearly not a solely a U.S. phenomenon. It's global. It's humanity. It's all people. It's a human problem. But I want to focus on U.S. examples um, for the remainder of this episode. And I'll do that right after the break. Okay, so I have a couple examples here. Not super fun, but I think they're instructive. I want to start with this horrific example of animal abuse that's occurred at UC Davis, a prominent member of the UC University of California education system. I'm a proud graduate of UC Santa Cruz and UC Berkeley and San Jose State. But UC Davis has a large agriculture and medical school, and they have been involved in lots of animal testing for decades. The reason I didn't go to Davis, they offered me a full scholarship, is because they're largely captured by big industry and they've been doing all sorts of horrific things to animals for to drive economic profits for corporations. And so I've never really liked UC Davis, but but a few years back, their UC Davis primate lab, they actually have a primate lab. And if you go on the website, it's a picture of all these monkeys and kind of running around looking happy and cheery and young, cute, you know, cute students feeding them, right? Well, they got money from Elon Musk's Neuralink company to conduct experiments on monkeys where they would be given brain implants to test technologies that could maybe one day help paralyze people interact with the world, right? So you don't see the pictures of the monkeys with the brain implants on the UC Davis Primate Lab website. They're not into, you know, advertising that, right? And here it's good to make pause and make a general point here, right? Most evil actions are done in the pursuit of something that is supposedly good. Very few people engaged in evil think they're doing evil. This is just a key insight, right? We talk about all the evil in the world. There's tons of evil in the world. Most people doing it don't realize they're evil, right? Even Hitler thought he was doing good. He's like, I'm eliminating inferior races so the Aryan race can take its rightful place in the world, right? So Hitler thought he was doing good, okay? The point here, again, is not evil is not judged by the intention, right? And first of all, you can never know anyone's true intention because you can't get inside their fucking mind. But that's not how ethics and good and evil are judged. It's by the actions. So Hitler is murdering innocent people. Evil doesn't fucking matter that he thinks he's doing it for some good reason, right? What the primate lab at UC Davis did to these monkeys was horrific torture that defied even the low standards we have for animal testing, right? It was barbaric and cruel, and yet smart people in lab coats 
did this both in the pursuit of money and for something supposedly good at the end of the road, right? But when confronted with their conduct, I talk to these people and I have confronted them through email and phone. They have lied about that what they have done and to this day, no one has been held to account. So I'm following this story very closely as a UC alum and, pe- and someone who you know cares about animal welfare. And I'm trying to you know, not, I'm not spending hours a day, but I'm, I'm making calls, I'm making emails, I'm looking into this. I want to try to push for some measure of accountability. The shit that was done to these animals is just fucking horrific, right? The main organization that has been exposing what happened at this lab is PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. If you're looking for a charity to give to, highly recommend them. And I've been reaching out to them for more info, and I might update this podcast later on you know, in a future episode if I get more information on that. But the point here is that one of the surest ways to unethical behavior is convincing oneself that the ends justify the means. Yes, we're torturing these highly sentient cousins of ours, but we're going to help develop technology to help paralyze people, right? Forget that we have computer simulations, artificial intelligence, robotics, and even human subjects who could have voluntarily submitted themselves to some type of testing to help develop this technology. But that's more difficult, right? It's more expensive and more difficult. And since the animals have no say, we can just grab them out of their you know, environment or breed them and just strap them up and start drilling in their heads, right? We can abuse them because we have a higher goal in mind. We're going to help the paralyzed. And first of all, helping the paralyzed is good, right? But not by torturing other living beings. You need an ethical core to say no and then put the money into the computer simulations, the robotics, right? Do a trial that's very ethically conducted with someone who is paralyzed and give them some of this technology to try to help them, right? And this is the fact that people will always employ the ends justify the means, right? And that is a key red flag. Once someone starts getting into the end justifies the means, you can be almost assured they are going to go forward with some very unethical behavior because they don't have an unethical core. I mean, they don't have an ethical core, right? You know, you you convince yourself, I have these great noble intentions, so that gives me permission to engage in unethical conduct. No, it does not. Unethical conduct is unethical conduct. You should not do it, right? There are certain types of behaviors, and torture is one of them, right? And so... You know, our society's ethics is so focused on ends that we lose track of the means and find ourselves able to justify about anything, right? And so just put a little asterisk on that. No ends justify the means. Don't use that logic, right? That will get you down the road of unethical behavior. Next up is kind of completely switching gears here. I want to talk about Joe Rogan real briefly. I've listened to a couple episodes of his podcast. Don't feel him partic- find him particularly compelling. But he's one of the most popular podcasters in America. He influences millions of mostly white men on a daily basis. And look, he espouses some reasonable views every now and then. And he's not without any ethical principles. But his ethical core is quite weak. And that's exhibited, above all, by his relationship with Alex Jones, Right? Most of you know that Alex Jones is basically like the bottom of the barrel. Like he's like when you scrape the scum off the barrel, it's like the layer of scum beneath the scum. 
His most infamous smear campaign was to harass the parents of the children murdered in Sandy Hook, saying that it was a false flag operation trying to take away people's guns. So that imagine this, right? People who've suffered the worst thing a, an adult human can suffer, which is to have your children murdered, were then traumatized by people giving them death threats. And they had to move multiple times, right? So like, this is like evil on a whole nother fucking level, right? Jones is like a true monster. Like, I, I absolutely think he deserves the death penalty, like to, to, to just torture and harass the parents of murdered children. Like, are you fucking out of your goddamn mind, right? So anyone with a strong ethical core would shun a figure like Jones, right? They would do nothing but condemn him as he deserves. But Rogan continued to engage with him for years and years and years. And he says, I don't condone the Sandy Hook stuff. I don't want to talk about that. But look, once you platform a guy on your millions of listeners and give him some credence, say, oh, I'm not going to talk about that, but it's okay to talk about that. You have just displayed such a lack of ethical principles. It's just, it's just shocking, right? I mean, platforming Jones is like plat- platforming a child murderer. And again, someone with a strong ethical core would not even consider it. It would just be off the fucking table, right? Now, once you recognize that Joe Rogan's ethical core is so weak that he would bring on an Alex Jones onto his show and platform him to millions of people, then you realize this is not a guy worth listening to. Because if he's going to do that, who else is he going to bring on? And of course, he also brings on all other type of sleazebags. So the point being here is that if you have a strong ethical core, it's very easy to identify that Joe Rogan does not, and therefore you shouldn't listen to him. The point being is the fact that he's so popular, again, shows that people are just not thinking clearly ethically. Because anyone who platforms Alex Jones should just be off the fucking radar. Now, of course, if we're talking about unethical conduct, we have to come to Trump and the Republicans, right? And I don't want to go on a diatribe against the GOP, you know, but for the last seven years, we've seen evidence by action that the party that talked for decades about family values and moral principles and character has basically none, right? We can count on one fucking hand the number of elected Republicans who stood up to Trump. What, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Mitt Romney, a couple others. Remember, in the, in, in the House of Representatives and the Senate, we're talking about, you know, 300, you know, 250 to 300 elected Republicans. And, of course, cabinet officials and Republican National Committee. We got, you know, many, many more hundreds of prominent Republicans. And what? We can count on one hand how many stood up, right? So, as, you know, and as much as Liz Cheney's ethical core isn't as strong as I'd like, I have to give her credit that at least she had some, there was some red line for her where she finally said, I'm going to call Trump out. Like a coup, you would think trying to overthrow the United States government would be a red line, but it was like a red line for like 1%, right? And so ironically, again, these are the people who profess strong family values and character, which brings us back to an age-old maxim, silent river runs deep. Those who have to scream and yell and shove in your face how moral they are are usually the most depraved, and the Republican Party is Exhibit A. 
Look, I have no problem with people professing ethical principles. I love it when I see someone with a shirt talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter or, you know, women's rights or animal rights, you know, like, great, like, put it out there. I'm not saying that, like, if you're communicating your values, you automatically are, you know, unethical. But if you have to shout at all the time, I'm moral, pro-family, pro-family, you know, character matters, character is everything. And you're like literally like getting red in the face. It's usually because you're projecting your lack of ethics. And the Republican Party is just so obvious an example of that. For decades, decades, everything, values, values, values. And then the second a fucking, you know, televangelist, con man, grifter, demagogue comes along, 99% of them just fucking roll over. Right? Roll over. And are still supporting him after he tried to overthrow the government, right? So when push came to shove, most Republicans showed their true colors. Power-hungry autocrats who couldn't give a flying fuck about ethical principles. So anyway, that was kind of a, a mouthful there about where the lack of an ethical core leads us. Not super fun, but I think there's some good lessons that come out of that. And I'll come back with the antidote right after the break. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to do another episode or more than that, you know, on thoughts on how to actually promote ethical living. I, I clearly, you know, started that with the, the food system one on kind of animal welfare, but I, I want to del delve into it deeply because, again, the more I think about it, it's like just we need more ethical humans, right? People willing to stand up for what's right, you know, and it's so, it's so sad and depressing how few are willing to do that, right? But the antidote for today is just to emphasize this point that ethics isn't what you believe. I just want to disabuse people of that. Saying I believe in equal rights or equity or conservation or whatever, it's just empty without the action to back it up. So I just want you to like disabuse yourself of this notion that like ethics is like the mental framework you have. You're right. Talk is cheap and believing is even cheaper, right? Ethics only matters if it's applied. So by all means, have an ethical framework. That's step one. I'm not saying it's, it's completely valueless. It's valueless if it doesn't lead to action. But it is the precursor to action, right? And, you know, applying ethics is hard. It's a much harder project, right? You know, the stories we tell in our, our head, you know, can make us feel good. But taking principles and turning them into action, that's a tough road to do. Right. It's it's not a it's not a simple thing. It, but the point being is, is like, just get that in your mindset. If you need to still figure out your ethical principles, what are your core values? What are your red lines? What are the things you really want to manifest in your life? That's great. But that's just the first step. And it's only action. Right. At the end of at end of the think about this, like do this thought experience, the end of your life. Hopefully you all live through 100, 110 and you're on your deathbed and you're not in pain and you know you're going to go to sleep that night and you're going to die peacefully in your sleep surrounded by your loved ones. It's the best way you can live your life, right? 
Your ethics at that moment, who you were as a person has nothing to do with what you believed, right? What the stories you told yourself, what you thought you stood for. All that's going to matter as your ethical kind of footprint is how you lived, what you did. Did you, you believed in equality? What did you do to promote it, to bring it into being? You believed in environmental protection? What did you do to reduce the environmental footprints of of your life and other people's lives? You believe that animals, non-humans, are worthy of dignity? Well, what did you do to manifest that, to make sure that they were treated well and they weren't abused, right? That's all that's going to fucking matter. Now, you might, you know, a lot of people go, go into their deathbed with the story they're telling themselves and maybe they've just convinced themselves that, like, the story is, is what the ethics were. But that's a fantasy. It's not true, right? That's not what your ethical footprint is. Your ethical footprint is your actions, is the physical manifestations on the planet, right? And so just, I want us to all kind of center on that and we can move on from there. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it, subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And with that, everybody, Have a great one. Take care. Be safe.